I don't know what to say after that. That was awesome. Hey, uh, good evening. I'm Scott. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, and I'm in recovery for sex addiction and compulsive overeating. Yeah, I'm excited to be here, man. This is good times. Tonight, our lesson is moral. Moral, because we're getting ready to hit step four, moral inventory. And so this is a big heavy-duty lesson. This is stuff that uh, is pretty crazy. Um, but real quick, man, Thursday, Thanksgiving, family triggers, man. I remember when my parents were alive, every time I'd get together with them, it felt like there was a trigger that happened. And a lot of times it was my past getting thrown back in my face. And I don't know if that's you, but that makes Thanksgiving very, very difficult. Holidays difficult. So make sure you get time to spend with your friends, getting with uh, your open share group whatever you can, your step study guys, friends giving, whatever you can do that's going to help you through this time of year. So I encourage you to do that. But uh, I want to start off with a quote from uh, Calvin Miller. And it says this, we human are a hungry lot. We are driven by a craving to know who we are, yet who we are is embedded in the heart of a holy God. Unless we seek for ourselves in um, the in epicenter of God's grace, we will be forever condemned to walk the arid edges of self-understanding. That's pretty heavy from Calvin Miller. Throwing that out there. Like, we need to dive deep into who we are or we will just be surfacey for the rest of our life. You guys have those surface friends? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have a few surface friends. And uh, I also have other friends that go deep and dive deep into their heart. And um, those are my favorite friends, the guys that know who they are. And I'm able to know who they are, and they're able to know who I am. But that takes a lot of time. That takes a lot of work. That takes a lot of effort. And we can coast through recovery with giving the basics, and man, we can be, look pretty good. And we can pretend that our poop don't stink, but the reality is it all does. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Unless you buy that poopery that you spray in before, and then yeah. it's good times. But we are drawn to have to dive deep into who we are to understand who we are. I think that was... The first time in my life I ever understood who I was when I actually had written down my fourth step. When I actually had written everything out and I looked and I went, holy crud, I am this person. I cannot deny it anymore. And that was rough for me because I thought I was something different. I thought I was the facade that I showed everybody else. But the reality is, I was that rotting tomb that I had written down. Well, the Green Book of Sex Addictions Anonymous, uh, I know that the White Book gets used a lot around here. I prefer the Green Book. And this is what it says on page 31. We take a stock of the feelings and patterns that shaped our lives. That has a lot more 
to it. I think that's a quote. That's another quote, so I'm going to go to this one also. We come to realize that our addiction is more than just unmanageable sexual activities. It includes an entire system of the underlying thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. If we neglect this inventory, we risk being stuck in our old habits and mistaken beliefs and our unimagined defects of character will eventually lead us to relapse. We have to do those inventories. This is something that if you want to remain sober, you want to remain clean, you want to not relapse, this has to happen. If you don't, I can pretty much tell you the rest of your story. Only from experience of guys that I've seen that have tried that. They may have a quote up there from the big book of uh, AA, page 64. Yes, here it is. A business which takes, it wasn't in my notes and I tried to cut and paste, it didn't work. A business which takes no regular inventory usually goes broke. It is an effort to discover the truth about the stock in trade. One object is to disclose damaged or unsaleable goods to get rid of them promptly and without regret. If the owner of the business is to be successful, he cannot fool himself about values. From the big book of AA. And that even goes on the next paragraph, and I don't think they have it up there, but I thought it was good when I was reading it just a minute ago. We did exactly the same thing with our lives. We took stock honestly. First, we searched out the flaws and our makeup which caused our failures, being convinced that self manifested in various ways was what, what had defeated us, considered its common manifestations. Just this thought that we would dive deep into ourself. I used to love watching that TV show where they would go in and I forget, it was... Uh, I think it was called Kitchen Impossible. And it was uh, Chef Irvine, Robert Irvine, and he would go in and he would be like, your kitchen's a bloody mess. And he would, because he's English, so he says things like that. And he would like scrape like junk and stuff out of the kitchen. And he was like, first order of business, we got to clean this thing. And I was like, dude, that's crazy. But that's our life. We got to dive deep into there. So some of you, I don't know, when was the last time you actually cleaned out your refrigerator? Like I'm talking about like cleaned it out and then you like wiped everything down and you got like, <laughs> every Monday we do it, Redwoods women, you guys got that down. Pat, you dialed in. I love it, man. But the rest of me, I'll speak for myself, man. I don't remember when the last time was I cleaned a refrigerator. That was crazy. Probably in high school when I'd go over to my friend Thad's house and his mom would be like, hey, Thanksgiving's this week. You got to eat all the leftovers. Awesome. And that's what I would do. Hence, I got a compulsive overeating issue. So that's the way it works. But hey, here's the deal. We are called to do this inventory. We have to dive deep into our lives. Well, how do we do that? How do we do this moral inventory? First, we have to make time. You have to make time. You have to set aside time to do this. 
How many of you have actually been on a date with somebody? Yes. Well, here's the deal. When you went out on that date with somebody, did you just say, hey, I'll see you around, and then, no, you said a day, a time, a location, and you got there, right? Unless you didn't want to go on the date, and then, well, that's a whole different story. But you set that stuff up. The other night, my wife texted me and goes, hey, date night. I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. And she's like, hey, it's going to be at the home. I'm like, oh, well, we've got five kids. How do we do date night with five kids? And we're like, we'll kick them into the other half of the, the house. And we will have our time. And so we got together. We had some food. We played a game. We watched a nice Christmas movie for about five minutes until someone fell asleep. And then somehow the TV magically channeled, changed to a Western. I don't know. It was crazy. <laughs> but we have to set a time and a date, and we've got to go through that, right? We have to make that. Set the date. Some of us have a failure to commit. Commit to doing this in your life. Commit to doing this in your life. See, Calvin Miller says this, fellowship with Christ can only be experienced at a wilderness table for two. We are hitting the fourth step. We have had a tough time in our go. We've hit a rock bottom. We've now come and we've realized that we're powerless over our addictions. We realize that, guess what? We're not God. There's somebody out there that is God and he wants to sit down with you at a table and go through this with you. He wants to sit and eat with you. And he wants to go through this step with you. So make time. God made time for you. If you go back to Genesis, and you look at how man was created, everything else spoken into existence, bam, light, bam, we've got a dog, bam, we got a tree. I mean, it was crazy, right? But man... He takes clay and he forms it and he breathes life into it. There's something different about how God cares for us and how he takes time. You go to Psalm chapter 139 and you look in that passage and he forms us and he makes us in our mother's womb. Did you know that he formed you and he made you in your mother's womb? He took time to put those freckles there. He took time to make your eyebrows the way that they are. Some of you are like, I didn't like them, I got rid of them, and I painted them on. It's okay. Because <laughs> God still loves you, and God still made you. He gave you the hair that you have or the lack of hair that you have. But God formed you, and he made you. He took the time to do that. Take the time to sit down with him. Job 33, verse 33 says this, listen to me. Keep silence and I will teach you wisdom. When we sit at that table with God, we sit and we be quiet. When we start the process of doing this moral inventory, we sit and we listen and we let God speak. Some of you, you are like, I've got a really bad memory. That's what every addict says. <laughs> I have not had an addict come through the door and tell me I've got the best memory ever. No, they all have a horrible memory and can't remember anything. But guess what? The more sobriety they get, then all of a sudden they start to remember things. 
And so we take time to sit and listen and let God speak to us and let God lay on our heart what we need to put on this inventory. So we make time. The next step that we do is we be open. Open, open, open. Remember that J.C. Penney's commercial? Open, 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 open. Mervyn's, I'm so sorry. I was scarred by Mervyn's and it was blacked out in my brain. Oh, how could I forget that? Um, but we gotta be open. I remember going to a conference and at this conference they said, leave your guns at the door. We were in Colorado and it was a gun carry, I don't know, but I was like, that's crazy. But I realized later that it was metaphorically, leave your guns at the door. Don't come in ready to go. Like, God, I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> we just quick draw it. We've got to be open. Stop being so defensive. God, you can examine my whole life except what's under this rug. God, you can do anything you want. I just don't want to deal with the fact that I was molested as a child. God, you can talk about whatever you want to talk about, and I'll write down all those things, but I don't want to deal with the fact that I was abused or I was cheated on or I hurt somebody this way. We want those things, and we want to take them to our grave, but God says, no, sit and listen, and let me write these things down with you. Let me hear these things. Calvin Miller says this, we fear the search for who we are, perhaps because we're afraid that having located our true souls, we might not, might not like ourselves all that much. I didn't. When I uncovered everything, and I sat back and I went, whoa. I, now clean it up, am a jerk. I'm a jerk. I mean, I've lied. How many times have I lied? How many times have I hurt my wife? How many times have I said I was going to stop this behavior and I kept doing it? How many times have I hurt my mom? Have I hurt my dad? Have I hurt my brother? Have I hurt my kids? Time and time again. And yet I have to be open to those things because I know if when I am, I can realize that God will love me for who I am. <coughs> Let me express my anguish. Let me be free to speak out of the bitterness of my soul. I love that. Job 7, verse 11. Let me speak out of my bitterness of my soul. I remember coming from Alaska back to California, and I remember the process of getting into recovery, get my wife off my back, and I remember coming to Big Valley, and I remember never picking up my Bible for a year because I was so bitter and so angry, and I didn't want God to speak into my life. Whew. That's heavy. We have to be open for those things. The SAA Green Book says this on page 32, we open ourselves to the care and healing of our higher power, Jesus Christ. We open, it doesn't say Jesus Christ. I added Jesus Christ. It says higher power because we think our higher power is Jesus Christ here. But we open ourselves up for his care. So maybe some questions as you're going through this, 
that maybe you need to ask yourself, what do you feel guilty about? What in your life do you feel guilty about? What in your life when you're sitting there watching TV zoning out pops up in your brain or when you go to lay your head down on the pillow at night pops up in your brain? What or who do you resent? What are your fears? What do you fear? Maybe this question, am I trapped in self-pity, alibis, and or dishonest thinking? Am I trapped in those things? Just take a step back, but when you start to evaluate yourself and start to try to get open for what God wants to do in your life, maybe you start to, by asking those four questions. What do you resent? What do you fear? What are you guilty about? Are you sitting in self-pity? Are you on the pity pot? I've been on the pity pot a few times in my life. Here's what the pity pot. The troubles have taken space in our hearts, sparsely attended. They invite others and their problems. They get smaller and trivial. We like to suffer a little bit longer. So we go to these places in our hearts that are sparsely attended. Places that aren't touched, aren't reached. Oh, woe is me. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares, see? No one invited me over for Thanksgiving. Nobody did this, nobody did that. And we sit on this pity pot. We navel gaze and we get down. But God calls us and asks us not to do that. So on Thanksgiving, make something happen. If you don't have a place to go, ask somebody. Hey, you have a place for me at your table? Somebody in your open share group. I'll tell you right now, Thursday morning, if you got nothing to do, 9 a.m., Lakewood Park. Get together with my family and some friends. We'll play a little game of football. Now I'm old and my back is gonna go out, but I still get together and I do like three plays and then I'm like, oh, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out. I'm gonna go over there and drink hot chocolate. (laughs) But 9 a.m., Lakewood Park, come play football with us, come hang out, be with some friends and fellowship. The next step is this, that we rely. We have to rely on God. We have to rely on who he is. We have to rely on the process. I remember this. Jean-Claude Van Damme. I grew up watching every single one of his movies, dreaming that one day I'd be able to do the splits. (laughs) And I think that's about as good as I got right there. That's it. That's it. Um... But I remember this, this time in this movie. It was the movie Kickboxer. How to hit the right one. And I remember his training, and he's laying on the ground. And his trainer climbs up this palm tree. And he's got this coconut. And he's all, ready? And, and he's like, yeah. And he just drops this coconut. And it falls, and you just see it go, and it hits him in the gut, and he's like, it was awesome, it was awesome. (laughs) I did something like that with Rick Countryman when I was in college. I was at Liberty University, we went to the gym, 
And Rick was like, hey, let's work out. So we're working out. And he gets this medicine ball, 25-pound 20, medicine ball. And he's all, hey, did you see that movie Kickboxer? And I'm all, yeah. And he's like, lay down on the ground. I'm like, yeah, game on. And so I lay down on the ground. And he was just from here and dropped that sucker. I am surprised I'm not internally bleeding right now. <laughs> But it was awesome. It was great. I felt like Jean-Claude Van Damme, and I didn't even have to do the splits. It was great. <laughs> but the idea here is we have to rely. We have to rely on that trainer. We have to rely on our, our sponsor. We have to rely on God to help guide us through these times. Rely on that process. Do that trust walk. Do that. The journey inward is extremely painful, but it is worth it. And any, I love movies. You can ask my family. When they come in, I'm usually watching a movie. Love movies. They're much quicker than books. Um, <laughs> but in these movies, there's always a point in the movie where the character has a major development where they've had to dive deep into their heart and to their soul. Even if you're watching these great Christmas movies that are out, the Hallmark ones, there's usually that one moment where they realize, like I was watching the... The Christmas Prince, that's what I was watching. And <laughs> there was the moment where this girl had to realize she didn't really want to work for this newspaper anymore and she needed to go do her own thing and it was a huge thing. But she had to dive deep inward to realize that. Jean-Claude Van Damme had to realize it through kicking a tree until he broke his leg practically, right? Everybody has that moment in that thing, and you do have that moment in your recovery. You have to realize and dig deep to dive through that inward pain to get that transformation and that healing that you want, that you need. Isaiah 40, verse 29 says this, that God gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. And when we're weak, when we're struggling, God gives us that power to make it through. We're not relying on our own strength, but on his. The A in moral is this, as we start to analyze. Analyze things. I'm not a great analyzer. I'm not. But a few years ago, we got a new coach that coached football with me over at Big Valley. And I remember we would play our game Friday nights. And he would say, okay, here's the deal, Scott. You got to go back, and every play that you're responsible for, so I did special teams, so I had to do every kickoff, every kickoff return, every punt, every punt return, every point after touchdown, every field goal. I had to go watch every player during that play and had to give them a grade, a plus or a minus. Did they do their job or did they not do their job? And then at the end, I had to tally it all up and give them an overall grade. I don't think I ever gave anybody above a D. I mean, it was bad. But nobody cares about special teams, so that's just the way it is. But um, I remember having to do that every Saturday morning. I'd be sitting at my son's soccer game, and I'd be sitting there watching on my phone, and I'd be grading. And then we'd, we'd show up. He'd be like, all right, you got to get down here at 3 p.m. So we'd get there at 3 p.m., and we'd have to talk about all the grades we gave, and then we'd have to judge film, and we'd have to look at film for the next week, and we'd have to analyze it all. This is an ADD guy, and you want me to do that? What? That ain't happening very well. 
I'd watch three plays and be like, yep, they're all the same. <laughs> Not good. But we need to analyze what we're doing. We have to look. That's what the process of this takes us down. How often does it happen and how powerful is that thing that keeps re reoccurring in your life? <clears throat> it's one of the ways I grade it. I grade those things in my life. If there's an issue I'm trying to work on, I go, how often does that happen in my life? How often am I doing that behavior that I want to stop? And how much power does that have on my life? In other words, do I hear it speak to me? Like, you know, I've talked about this before. Like when I walk through the kitchen, and I'm trying to work my program, and all of a sudden as I'm walking, I hear the box of Cheez-Its call out, you're hungry, eat me. And I'm like, yes, I am. I will. <coughs> I didn't think people were that loud or the food was that loud in the refrigerator, but it calls to me. I love cheese. It's great. So how often does it happen in your life and how powerful is it? How much of a pull does it have on your life? Proverbs 20, verse 27. The Lord gave us mind and conscience and we cannot hide from ourselves. God gives us these things. We can't hide. We keep moving forward. We have to find out who we are. The last one is this, is list. List it. Write it down. Scott Miller was really good at journaling. Journal, journal, journal. Journal, journal. Hey, Scott, did you journal that? <laughs> maybe. Because <laughs> I'm evasive, so I say maybe, right? Guy texted me the other day, told me of a problem. I said, hey, have you fourth-stepped it? Have you taken time to sit down and write that out? Take it through all the columns. Write it out. But when you write it out and you list it, keep it balanced. Because it's going to be easy to think of all the negative stuff. It's going to be easy to think of all that stuff. Got a lot of issues with my mom, but I got to keep it balanced. So as much as I have down there as issues with my mom and the negatives, I need to try to remember the positives as well, things that I'm thankful for. The people that have hurt me, I try to think of positives. Even if it's been those issues that you go, there is no positive from this person in my life at all. Okay, take a step back, start thinking about it. How has God used that to help you develop as a human being? And be grateful for that journey that you're on. So keep that balanced. Otherwise, you're going to be negative Nelly, and you're going to be Debbie Downer, and you're going to be right? Keep it balanced. Lamentations 3.40 tells us, let us examine our ways and test them. Let us examine our ways and test them. People, why do I got to do this fourth step? I mean, I'm a Christian. I'm already saved. God already forgave me. I get it. I understand that. But at some point, we got to examine our ways and test them. Because those things keep coming back. If we don't write these things down and we don't journal and we don't put them on paper, we are in danger of missing something important. We're missing, we're going to miss the patterns. We're going to miss the message that God wants to teach us through those things. So sit down at the table with God and start your inventory. Sit down 
and start your inventory. Make time. Make time for him. Be open during that time with him. Don't be closed off and defensive. Rely on God to guide you through this time. Analyze the stuff that you write down. Look at it. Honestly, look at it and list it all out. Don't just do one, two, skip a few, a hundred. That's not what we're doing. It is we're writing them down. Be thorough in it. The more thorough you are in this process, the healthier you will become. So let me pray for us. Actually, let's just stand up and let's do the serenity prayer. But here's the focus question for those of you online or uh, that need it before you go to group. What are your fears about starting your inventory and what were the benefits of completing your personal inventory? So if you've done it, what are those benefits that you received? If you haven't done it, what are the fears that you have about starting it? Got it? All right, let's say the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it. Trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever and the next. Amen.